0: Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at FaithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message.
1: We are excited about tonight. I'm excited about tonight because I get to talk about... Uh, a topic that I enjoy a lot. And I just wonder uh, where you're at here tonight because usually when we talk about this subject, there are two different types of people and I'm kind of going to gauge what, what we have here tonight. Usually when we talk about things like finances and money, there are, there are those of you out here tonight that absolutely love it and you lean in and you are like excited. Raise your hand if you're the nerd right here. Raise your hand if you're the nerds. Hi nerds. How you doing? All right. Now, if you're the free spirits, uh, you like to spend and just, you know, not really pay much attention, and this is gonna be a little bit more of an effort for you to lean in, be honest, and you raise your hand, all right? Okay, that's cool, that's cool. So here's what I wanna do. I don't care which, uh, which side you fall on, whether you're like, you know what, tonight I'm really gonna have to focus because I usually don't like to pay attention on nights like tonight, or if you're like, oh, Pastor Matt, I'm ready. I want you to clap just so you don't hurt my feelings either way. I'm going to announce the subject tonight, and I just want you to get excited. And It's a Wednesday night. We're gathered here together. We're going to have a good time. We're going to talk about this. Ready? Tonight is all about money management. Clap your hands. I'm cueing you right now. Hey. All right. So now that I know that you're with me and you're for me, this is a good thing, uh, I, I want to just drop this amazing Uh, this this amazing line that I think is so true. Because talking about money management, like why would we talk about something like this? And here's a good truth. Are you ready? It says this, you will either learn to manage money, that's what we're talking about tonight, or the lack of it will always manage you. That's why it's relevant. That's why a topic like this hits you right where you're at, whether you like to talk about it or whether you don't like to talk about it. Uh, you will need to learn to manage money because if you don't, you'll go through your entire life with it managing you, and that's what you don't want. And so um, I do get passionate about this subject, and I was, I was reflecting on this and thinking about this, and I think the number one reason why I get passionate about it is because I've seen so many people that have been hurting, that have been... Um, in need that have been struggling and I, I see it in their face and I hear it in the tone of their voice and they talk about the stresses and the pressures of finances or in many cases the lack of finances and I'm like, man, I want to help you. I want to teach you some principles. So there's this pastoral side of me that, that wants to kick in and say, hey, let's walk through this and let's let's talk about this and there's no judgment and there's no condemnation. You don't have to worry about what somebody's going to think. All of us are at different stages uh, when it comes to managing money. So I love to help people. That's, that's probably the biggest reason why I'm passionate about this subject. But also there's a second uh, side that is, uh, I, I ask myself this question, what could the people of God do for the kingdom of God if they were debt-free? Amen. Now, how many of you were here Sunday? You got to hear Pastor Rob Ketterling talk about this a little bit. If Pastor Johnny mentioned this, but if you weren't able to be here, please, please, please go back and listen uh, to that message about kingdom builders and about generosity. And, and so I think about, man, if, if the American church, if, if faith assembly, if, if we weren't burdened down by debt and payments and the stresses and the pressures, what could we do for the kingdom of God? And that gets me excited all over again. So it's kind of like twofold. And, and he even said this. He used the scripture, 2 Corinthians 9-11. He said, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And so he's saying, this is why we're blessed. This is why we wanna pay attention to the income that we receive and we wanna manage things well. Why? So that we can be a blessing. That's a good place to say amen right there. That's why we would even talk about this is so that we can make a difference in the kingdom of God. And I believe that. And he made this statement, I wrote it down. He said, of the billions of Christians alive today on planet earth, and there are billions, right? We know that there's several billion Christians that are alive. Eighty um, percent of the wealth that Christianity holds is in the U.S. So, what a responsibility we have. If we get this thing right, we can really make a difference. Amen. And uh, I know it's a pressure for so many. Uh, some stats I looked up today: one in four Americans with debt are in collections for at least one of their debts. One in four. Uh, 44% of those in debt say they have lost sleep over their finances. I don't know where you fall. Maybe you're like doing okay or maybe you can improve uh, the way that you manage. Why? So that you can be a blessing. Or maybe you're just like, man, tonight I just feel stressed out. I feel the pressure that you're talking about. I feel the uh, some of the pain that you're talking about. Either way, we're going to have a good time tonight. And so we have a we have a panel that uh, we've selected, and, and uh, they're going to come here in just a moment. Uh, before it as they get set up and as we bring them forward I want to show you this uh, this really deep video and you got to focus okay especially the free spirits tonight you got to focus on this video because the uh, the content and the the principles are so deep uh, even the CPAs in the room might have a little bit of a, a challenge understanding this and I'm being a little bit funny but no uh, take take a look at this video I think you're gonna like it and panel come on up oh,
0: I just can't get these- numbers to add
2: up like we're never gonna get out of this hole
0: credit card debt does it ever end
2: (laughs) maybe I can help we sure could use it
0: we've tried debt consolidation companies
2: we've even taken out loans to help make payments well you're not the only ones did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control that's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt it's called don't buy stuff you cannot afford
0: If you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting.
2: Sounds confusing.
0: I don't know, honey, this makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. Give
2: me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in Chapter 3.
0: OK, but what if I want something, but I don't have any money?
2: You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No.
0: (laughs) Now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story?
2: Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. I buy something I want, and then hope that I can pay for it, right? (laughs) No. You make sure you have money,
0: then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's
2: in the book. It's only one page long. (laughs) The advice is priceless
0: and the book is free. Wow, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we can put it on our credit card. So get out of debt now. Write for your free copy of Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And if you order now, you'll also receive Seriously. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. <laughs> Along with a 12-month subscription to Stop Buying Stuff magazine.
2: So order today. Oh,
1: yeah, come on, put your hands together. Don't buy stuff you can't afford. It's pretty simple. Um, a lot of times we struggle in that area. Uh, well, Church, we have our panel here uh, tonight, and uh, I, I like to call them a panel of experts. Um, and so I want you to make them welcome. We have Dr. Mike Henderson here. Recently, uh, he shared that he's a doctor now, so all fancy. Um, Mike, you've been uh, teaching Financial Peace University here at this church for 20 years or something like that. Uh, can we give him a hand for that and just thank him? That's, that's amazing. And uh, I know you've helped so many people. Uh, next, we have Dr. Cora Green that's here with us tonight. And... Um, and also, 20-plus years, I think you've been teaching biblical finance classes and all kinds of uh, stewardship, right?
3: That is correct.
1: Yeah, well, thank you for that as well. That's amazing. And then last but not least, we Dr. have... Dr. Josh. We have Dr. <laughs> uh, he's not the a doctor. The only doctor
0: not here. Yeah.
1: Uh, Josh Rush, and he's our um, service coordinator. Is that your official title? Sure. Sure, tonight it is. Um, but he helps us out here at the church doing so much. And I wanted to, um, I wanted to bring a variety of different uh, people up here just so that we can hopefully relate to you, all right? We want this to be practical in nature and not talk so up here that you're like, yeah, I get that, that sounds great, but what about, what about me? I live in the real world, okay? And so hopefully this will be practical and will be helpful for all of you. And so I have just a series of questions that we're going uh, to run through tonight, and uh, you guys can chime in as you see fit. Um, and the first subject is, is about debt. And kind of as a good segue from, from that video, uh, debt is an easy trap to fall into. Uh, I mean, we're talking about credit cards, cars, homes. Debt is a thing, in, uh, especially in the U.S. Um, I looked it up, Listen to this. The average American holds a debt balance of $96,371, according to bankrate.com. That's a lot. And uh, one in five Americans with a credit card have maxed it out in the last month. And what is so... so scary or alarming is that it doesn't just apply to non-Christians. It doesn't just apply to the world and then somehow magically the, the church manages their resources better. I think uh, by and large that's probably true, but there, uh, the stats show that the church is struggling as well. And, and again, there's no judgment here, but I just want to ask this question. I'll, I'll start with this one. What is the wisest way to view debt? And Mike, you can start with this one.
2: So I think the wisest way to view debt is uh, is slavery. That's what the Bible looks at debt as. It says we should owe anybody, anything, but the love of Christ. That's what we should owe people. And so when we are in debt, I thought of it earlier, it's like kind of like getting a little chain. You know, you get a little debt, it's like a little chain. It's almost like a badge of pride. I have my credit card. It's like I have my chain. It looks pretty good, right? But it's a chain of slavery, right? And then you add another chain. Now I get a car. Now that's a little bit bigger chain. And then you buy something else, and that chain gets bigger and bigger. And, and the problem with, with slavery is that you don't have control. So when God knocks on your door and says, hey, I want you to donate to Convoy of Hope tonight because a lot of people in Mississippi are needing it, mm-hmm. you say, you know, God, I'd really like to do that, but my other master says I have to pay him tonight or tomorrow. It's the, almost the first of the month, right? How many are going to pay some masters on the first of the month? have yeah, master card other masters things like that. <laughs> but still you're going to have masters and so we should look at debt as slavery and it's interesting you said that pastor about the christian church is just like the world but as christians we should look at as debt as abnormal the world considers normal many people ask how can i get my child's credit score higher so that they can progress through this world and be successful and we as christians should say that's abnormal uh, one last thing, I think about the Egyptians. I was just reading this month about how uh, when Israel came out of Egypt, it says that they looted Egypt, right? They, gave, they, they were slaves for 400 years. They were slaves, kind of like many of us are. to dead. They had nothing, but when they left it, they had a ton of money when they left it. But that wasn't the purpose of the money. The purpose was based on our, our service on Sunday. When God built the tabernacle, He said, hey, call the people to start giving. Mm-hmm. And they gave so much that they had to say, hey, enough. I can't take any more. We've got everything we need. That's the purpose of freedom from debt, but debt won't allow us to do that.
1: Yeah, that's good. Um, You know, it is dangerous. Debt is dangerous. I think that's a fair statement, right? You got to be so careful with it. It becomes something where you just start to uh, put a little bit on a credit card and you don't really feel it. and, And you know, it's the friction point isn't there, and so you don't have to come up with the cash, and then you just swipe the card, or you know, it's just an on auto pay, and then the balance gets bigger and bigger, and, and uh, people find themselves in thousands and thousands of dollars in credit card debt, and they they really didn't plan on doing it; they just kind of eased into it, you know, they just kind of uh, fell into it, even though you don't really fall into debt, you kind of decide. But uh, Josh, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on this this panel is like you you started to tackle this thing and you got fired up, what was it, in, a couple 20, years ago? Yeah, or? like
0: 2019, right before COVID, end of 2020-ish. All yeah.
1: right, tell your story a little bit and, and maybe some practical ways to, to get out of debt.
0: Yeah, so I got engaged um, about end of 2019, beginning of 2020. And uh, I took Mike's class, uh, financial peace, and I learned about the debt snowball. And I had been in about, 12000 ish $13,000 in just credit card debt because I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> hey, we're all, we're all there. Um, and so what I was doing when I first got into it and I was trying to pay it back, I was prioritizing my debt based off the highest APR credit card. And so it just felt like I was never making a dent into that credit card. And it just it was demoralizing, I just kept paying it. I'm like, it's not moving, it's not changing. Took your course, and I learned about the debt snowball. You categorize your debt by lowest amount, not APR, and you do it lowest amount, and then list it to the bottom one as the highest amount. And you just tackle that top amount and then you you eventually hopefully pay that off, and then whatever you're paying to that, you snowball down to the next amount. You pay that off, and you start feeling wins, and you keep moving, you keep moving, you keep moving. And uh, once we got married, it, that was we got married in 2020, uh, and we no longer have any of those credit cards uh, in debt anymore. Yeah, holler back. Good. Um, and like we're not like beyond rich either. Like I mean, she makes more than I do, so holler. Um, but. <laughs> It like it is possible, and I think probably uh, Dave talks about this. It's it's um, behavioral. Money is behavioral, yeah. and probably 90% of attacking that debt was just discipline. And it was when I would go to pay the bills, it's literally putting on blinders on like the Xbox, the this, the that, and just going, oh, I need to pay this debt and just being disciplined. And even though you don't want to, it literally felt like I was taking a trash can and throwing the money into the trash can. But I caused that debt. I, it was my choice to be in debt at the end of the day. And so it's just being disciplined and paying off yeah. that debt. Yeah.
1: And I think usually what happens is all the, the math people, the, the math nerds out there, you say, well, I have, a, I have this debt and it makes more sense to, you know, which debt has the highest interest rate? Let's tackle that first. And in one sense, that, that makes sense. If, if it all was just numbers, but to your point, it's not all just numbers. It took forever. It's, it's behavioral. And yeah. so what you want to do is, is have that win that you feel and you experience. And then you go, you know what, I can do this. And then you start to tackle the next largest uh, debt. And then you start taking that momentum and tackle the next largest debt. And then you feel like, okay, I can do this. And statistically people stick with it longer when they run the debt snowball. Now you gotta be intense.
0: You oh, can't yeah. kind
1: of do it. You really got to do it.
0: I mean, it felt like I was in a dark void for a long time. And like, w- w- just now I'm like, oh, there's a little peephole of the light. Like, it's possible. You'll yeah. get there, but you have to stay disciplined. Yeah.
1: That's good. Any other thoughts on that? That's good. Okay. Uh, then, then question number three, why should someone get out of debt? Like, what, what is the why behind it? Why should we be debt free?
3: As Pastor Matt mentioned, debt is referred to in the Bible as a snare or a trap. The Bible does not say that death is a sin, but it's a trap. And we don't need to live in a trap for the rest of our lives. So we need to get out of debt. What we need to do is we need to live to do what God created us to do. We were created to worship, not to be paying debt. And if we are entrapped with debt, then we can't worship. We can't give. We can't be kingdom builders. We can't do any of this stuff. Debt will come upon us and weigh us down, sit upon the throne of our heart, and we can't even worship God. So we come to church. We put our church faces on because we know how, but the debt is just there, so we mm. need to get out of the debt so we can worship God.
1: Yeah. It is so freeing. and. And I loved, I actually loved watching Josh and his wife go through this because I, I got to see that spark like in your eye, you know, not, not to be weird, but uh, just, just to have that like, ooh, I, I, I feel it. I'm starting to win. And so I'm sitting back like applauding them and cheering them on and I, and I get to see and he's coming to me and I'm like, it really is exciting to me because they're starting to win. They're starting to get there and gain that traction. And so it's like a weight that is just lifted. You know, and people that have taken on debt slowly, they don't realize how much they're weighed down until that's gone, and that's that's a great feeling.
0: You know, just the yeah, 100%. That just you, the mount, the freedom we felt, or the freedom I felt, calling American Express and saying goodbye, and then they're like, oh wait, 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 and I'm like, nope. And like, oh wait, wait, nope, and then just closing that. Oh, there's no better feeling than closing that thing and moving on.
2: Yeah, can I can I jump on that too and say that you know we're going through some trying times. I mean I know everybody knows that right now I have been for the last year. So if, you know the country and we hear about banks closing and all that. And when you don't have a lot of debt, it really changes the way you look at things and the way you respond. And when you know that you know I have an emergency fund, I can get through this, or I have a plan, I can get through this. It really changes your way you look at the conditions we're in right now. So it is very freeing. It's a it's a great thing. That's how we should not want to be a lot of debt.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk about student loans just for a moment. Uh, people are getting into serious trouble with student loans. Um, many people think, and I believe this to be true, that we're in a student loan crisis in America. Um, it's affecting lives of millions and millions of people. And so right now, the total amount of federal student loan debt, for example, is 1.76 trillion. So even though people don't have the money to go to school, they're taking out uh, an extraordinary amount of, of uh, debt in order to pay for that school. And so I just wonder what a balanced approach is for that uh, when it comes to, you know, how can this be avoided or what are some wise decisions when it comes to going to, to, to college and doing something that I think is good, but how do you, how do you balance that in, in relationship to debt, if that makes sense?
2: You know, real quick, uh, one of the things that was the most freeing to me when I first went through Dave Ramsey was Dave said, you know parents, and there may be a lot of parents here that have kids that are maybe that are juniors or seniors, and you kind of want to avoid this question, it's not your job to send your kids to college. It's really not your job. Once they become adults, that's their job. Now we as parents can help them, but I want you right now to take that load off your shoulder. It's not your job. But it is our job to train them in the way they should go and a lot of kids in society is pushing kids to go to like schools they think they're going to graduate and and get these killer jobs and make a gobs of money and kids who have never handled three dollars in their whole life you know the right way now they're going to assume eighty thousand dollars worth of college debt it just makes no sense so we as parents we need to advise our children to try to stay in state. If they're young, you know, we we try to tell people, start saving for that college. There are ways you can save tax-free for that. Like I mentioned, if your kid's a junior or a senior right now, it's a little late for that. But we have some great community colleges in this area. And we really uh, recommend that people uh, it's gonna be humbling. No one likes to go up when they graduate. Everybody, I love that when kids, that's one of my favorite things of graduation, when they come up and say, you know, I'm going to be a doctor and I'm going to Harvard and you know, like Valencia's right down the corner. And that's probably where they'll end up going. But I like these plans, but we need to help our kids out to know, take away the shame of going to a community college and then they can transfer within a couple of years and go to a four year state college. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, honest to goodness, how many people have gone to your doctor's office and asked for their diploma? Like, like oh, oh, I can't see you. We're just grateful to get into a doctor, right, these days. So uh, we don't care where they went and got there as long as they got that degree and passed the test. And so we need to help our kids. They don't understand that. And as adults, we need to help them with that. But we should really try to prevent yeah. them getting a lot. Of- and
1: to be clear, you're not against an expensive school. You no, just no. have to be able to afford it, right. Right? That's right? And so there's scholarships and there's other things, savings. I mean, you know, especially if your kids are young now, start saving. Um, and you just, school of choice is probably the biggest. I have, I have a friend of mine who um, uh, I think he went ended up going to a technical, uh, he has an engineer or something like that. So it's an expensive degree. And he has a, a friend of his that they both went to this kind of fair uh, at the same time. And, and one table was the expensive school and one table was the inexpensive school or affordable school. And he chose the expensive school, right? And so he was paying on this thing for like, 12 years I think 13 years or something like that and every month you know he's paying that that off his friend got the same degree worked at the same job okay and he was that much far ahead because he simply just chose a different school so the point is as you're praying about that and as you're planning and, and prepping for that, man, just really take into account the, the cost and don't just say, well, I guess this is something we just have to do because it's a good thing, it's education. Uh, look for everything that you can do to possibly keep that thing down so it doesn't uh, rule your life.
2: Let me say one more thing. I have three kids, um, and they're all getting through their bachelors without any debt. Now, it wasn't easy. It was a struggle, but you can do it. I- I'm just telling you that to give you hope. You can do it without a lot of debt. You guys can really do it. You just have to adjust your expectations. If you have the savings, fantastic. If your child gets a scholarship somewhere, that's fantastic. Like he said, we're not saying they're bad schools, but you don't have to go somewhere to do well.
1: Yeah. All right, let's, uh, yeah, you wanna clap for that? Go ahead. You gotta clap, man. Good job. Um, Marriage and finances, let's kinda switch subjects a little bit. Uh, uh, The number one issue couples fight about is money. Uh, Money fights are the second leading cause of divorce behind infidelity. And so the question is this, should married couples have separate or joined accounts and talk about how a marriage and finances uh, should
2: work? So this is my last question, then they'll have the rest, so so it's not just me. But, you know, listen, I feel like that when you're as a couple, God says the two shall become one, and I believe that's in every area of their life. I I really do. I, I understand there's some unusual circumstances where you might have someone who's... You know, but we can work, you can work through that. But as a whole, it's a principle, we think the two should be one in every area, including finances. I think of like you going on a journey, if we're going to Daytona or we're going to somewhere else and you drive in two separate cars, you're not communing during that, you know, during that, that trip. You're not maybe I'm going to go to Bucky's and get some whatever, and you're going to go to Taco Bell, and and everybody does their own thing. And we don't want money to be like that. We want money to be we want to be together on money. We want to be strong. And God, that's God's I believe God's will for us. And so I think it's dangerous when we have separate bank accounts. I think it I think it encourages, um, not intentionally deception, but I think it's easy not to be forthcoming in everything. Because maybe you've done something, and we've all done it, maybe you've done something that's embarrassing and you really don't wanna share with your spouse how you failed them, right? Um, but when you're together, you share those with you and then you grow through that. So I think it's better yeah. to have it all together.
1: I think just open transparency is key, no secrets. Uh, you know, when you when you get married, it's no longer my money and your money, it's our money. Uh, it's it's we, not, not I and mine. And so just the words that even you use about the resources that God has given you, like he blesses you as a couple, the two shall become one, like you said, not just in the physical aspect, but also finances. And there's a unity there that I think God blesses when when you unite that way. And so if I'm ever counseling a couple, uh, they come in and they say, we're and having, we're having trouble in this area, usually that's that's more of a marital correction or marital type discussion and less about the nuts and bolts of a budget, so to speak, and it's more about their whole attitude behind finances. Um, So that's good. Uh, Next question. If your
0: spouse makes more than you, it's probably good to combine it.
1: (laughs) Especially if your spouse makes more than you. Yes, you're right. Um, Any advice for Christian couples that are struggling in this area? You know, we're having a hard time with our finances.
0: Like you said, I think having transparency uh, with each other while you're Doing the bills, for instance, when I I surprisingly in my, our relationship I do the bills, um, and so before I like click send on. And- pay the stuff I consult with my wife and I go hey does this look good we're gonna this is the debt this week we're attacking tackling do you agree and then she'll go oh well we also have to do this this and this and then it's like oh I forgot about that then I have to readjust and it's like she has she has access to the document it's not like I'm secretly doing stuff on my own she has full it's full transparency and I feel like that has helped us not ever have money be weird between us um and so it's whatever whatever I'm doing she sees
1: that's good Dr. Cora any thoughts on this? Got a, got a class. I just want to give you a chance to promote this class. Biblical finance, right?
3: Transparency is what matters. Really yeah. important. Just to have transparency that both parties can know what's going on. Okay. At all times.
1: Um, any any couples that are um, struggling in this area, we as a church, Pastor Johnny's heart, my heart, we want to help in any way that we possibly can. So we, have, uh, we do have classes that, that are available, um, and, and like both uh, Dr. Mike and Dr. Cora, they, they teach these classes. Can you, uh, I don't know, we probably have a QR code, I think, is now now might be a good time to put this up on the screen. We have put together some some resources for you. Uh, take your phone and you can scan this, uh, this QR code, and there's a list of resources. I mean, we have budget tools, we have uh, different, um, uh, quick little helps and, and advice there, but also it has uh, some information about our biblical finance class. You want to give a when is that next class starting? You said April. April
3: sixteenth. Okay. Next class starts
1: room B two ten. B two ten April. 16th. Sixteen. All right, so that's the next one coming up. Make sure you, you jump in that class. All right, moving on budgeting. Gotta love budgeting. Isn't this exciting stuff? I mean, I know it's riveting. You guys are like, yes. Tell me more, please. Um, the word budget, though, a lot of times uh, has a negative connotation or uh, attachment to it because it's like, oh, don't tell me that I have to be on a budget because if you tell me I have to be on a budget, that means I can't do what I want to do, and I want to buy this, or I want to go do this, and if I'm on a budget, then I can't, and I think part of the problem uh, is that we need to get outside of that mindset of it's, a budget is a bad thing, so the question is this, uh, how can a budget be a good thing f- for us?
3: When you come to my class, we won't use the word budget. We have changed it to use, we say, spending plan. Making a plan to spend your money. Because most people think that a budget, the word budget, it's derogatory and everyone starts leaving the room when you start talking about a budget. So a budget is a good thing. One of the first reasons a budget is a good thing is because it tells you, it shows you where your money is going instead of you having to wonder where did my money go. So a budget will help to show you where your money is going and the budget also, it makes you stronger. It puts limits because you know what you can spend and what you cannot spend if you're really working with your budget. So a budget is a good thing. It helps you to put aside money for retirement and whatever your needs are, working your budget, putting everything on your budget will keep you straight.
1: Yeah. That's good. Um, What exactly is a spending plan or a budget Um, and what are some tools, like what are some practical tools if if someone's out here and they've never really done an, an official budget and they've just kind of had an income and kind of spent and just kind of hope for the best, are there some apps, some tools, some things out there that would be helpful for them?
3: A spending plan, if you will, will show you the flow of your money. So you've got to have money coming in. So the spending plan starts with your income and the first line of expense that comes out of your income in our class, the first line of expense is your tithe. So you take your tithe out of the income when the income comes in. And after that, you'll put all of the other important stuff like the rent, the mortgage, food, Etc., you'll go down the line getting all those important stuff. And once those are listed and, and those are able to, you take those from your income, then you move on to the credit cards and all the other debt. Yes, you have to pay them, but you cannot pay credit cards before you pay your rent or your mortgage, or you'll be out the door. So we list everything according to its priority in the spending plan. And then when you get to the end of it, after you've taken out all of your expenses with tithes being first, and then we can also have a line in there for Kingdom Builders. And after we've done that, then you see what's left. What's left, uh, Dave Ramsey has a, um, every dollar has a name, but that sometimes is tricky. So if you have any leftover money, then that goes to savings. What if you're in the red and you have nothing left over? Then you know you have gotta start tightening up the lines. And you tighten up until you start eating spaghetti and meat sauce with no meat.
2: You know, Dr. Cora is so, so right with that. And you know, to help you guys out, if you did the, if you scan the code, then you'll be able to download these digital versions of these forms, but the church has also provided copies of these in the back. When you leave, you can grab one tonight, but what she was talking about, these monthly cash flow plans, that's what we're talking about. And there's, a, there's even one, if this looks too intimidating to you, it's more than one page, so you're like, oh, that's too intimidating. Here's one that's like a page and a half. Start with this one, it's called the Quick Start Budget. It's a great way that you and your, and, uh, either by yourself or you and your spouse can sit down and start working through some of these things. It's very effective. The point is you have to do something. You have to create a plan. Otherwise, you're just wandering through this world and I don't believe that's what God wants for you.
1: Yeah. I see this sitting here. I'm glad you have this. Um, this, is a, this is a will, like last will and testament, okay? And I do want to take just a moment and talk about this because no one likes to talk about what would happen if they weren't here because that means that you've died, right? So that's not a fun thing to talk about. Like, hey, let's talk about what if I'm not here. Um, but this is so, so important, Okay uh we've seen it time and time again where uh if people don't have a a will in place if they if they god forbid pass away which we know all of us will unless Jesus comes back right uh it's it's kind of like the thing because of sin but we have to have a plan for that too and we it's kind of ties into budgeting a little bit but like we can tell uh our income or our resource what to do even when we're in heaven like it can be making a difference and we can make sure that we're pointing it in the right direction and so this just helps uh, that process and if you uh, want a will packet those are also available as you as you leave tonight ag financial will um will do this for free as long as you give 10 percent to the local church and in this case if this is your church it'd be faith assembly but they do that as a way to really encourage people to uh, put a will in place so that they'll take the initiative to do it and not have the regrets later. You know, we've seen families that have really gone through a tough time because this isn't in place. So I did want to take just a moment and say that. All right, we have one more question uh, for tonight, and, and it's this. How can I keep from overspending and how do I keep track of it all? Because you can have the budget, but then once you live real life and you're kind of going to the restaurants and you're going to the movies and you're going to the grocery store or whatever, how do you keep track of it all and not overspend?
0: Uh, One trick my wife and I do, um, we use cash card. Does anyone use cash card? Um, Cool. Uh, (laughs) And... Uh, we use that just for our fun money. So whenever we do the bills, it's like, okay, you, Josh, you have X amount for until the next paycheck, and uh, I can only use that cash card for anything I want, basically. Uh, so I, Chipotle, 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 oh, zero dollars. I can't no, go grab the debit card and buy Chipotle because that's not how. So that is a good tool because she also has her own cash card and she has her fund money. And once that fund money or that allotted allowance, I guess you could call it, on that card is out, then, I'm, then I need to stop spending money and then I'm done.
2: Okay.
0: And it's free to have a cash card. Card.
2: I love that. I love that what he says. Did you hear what he said? He said they set aside money for fun, right? So budgets
0: took a while to get there.
2: Yeah. Spending plans, excuse me, Dr. Cora, spending plans have money set aside for fun. And so you've got to do that. You've got to make some money, set it aside so you can have some fun. But then when it's gone, the fun's gone, right? The fun so, is gone. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And then the other thing I like, of course, I'm a little old school, but I like cash too, because to me, cash still means something when it leaves my hand and so we typically don't overspend at the gas station or things like that but areas where we overspend are things like uh, grocery stores or if we're going out shopping and uh for like non-grocery stores especially if you have children you know they're grabbing stuff throwing it in the cart so a great way of, of stopping that is to is to put aside in your spending plan how much money you're going to spend for groceries and the number one thing i don't know if you guys can guess i may have mentioned this before the number one thing people overspend on is eating out and so uh, maybe you can amen me on that right so you you can have an envelope that has the money that you decide in your plan that you want to spend each week to go out to dinner and lunch whatever it is and i always used to tell my kids that, well, if that money's in there we might be going to chili's we might go into cc's it just depends how much money is in that envelope that's where we go and that's and that's how you win at this game
0: also aldi is don't sleep on aldi like they have great prizes i like Once I became an adult, yeah, Aldi. I was shopping at Publix, because that's what I thought you go to, and then I'm like, bread is this much money? And then I switched to Aldi, and then I'm like, bread is this much money at Aldi? Okay, we're
1: gonna shop at Aldi. Yeah, shop around, have a budget, stick to it. All right, hey, can we give our panel one good hand? Thank you, guys. And uh, they're gonna be available to to spend some time and and talk with anybody after this service. I've just got a, a few, Uh, lessons learned that I want to share with you. And if you want to just write these down, I'm just going to share briefly as as we close out. Um, And so it's money management, lessons learned. And we'll fly through these really quick uh, because these are the the lessons that I want you to learn. Here's lesson number one. Learn your role. Okay, learn your role. And what do I mean by that? Well, we are managers for the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. We're managers. We're stewards. Uh, we're, we're, uh, we're stewarding what God has, has given us, and it's all for the Lord. In fact, uh, in Psalms 24, verse one, it says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And so God is saying, you know what, I'm entrusting you as the church, I'm entrusting you as a believer to manage the, the resources and the income and the money that I've, that I've given you. And so really, I want you to think about it, of you being an asset manager for the Lord. And the problem comes in when we start becoming, listen to this, owners and not the managers. When you start thinking, oh, I own this thing. Or you go home and you start thinking that you own your house. And you're like, well, Pastor Matt, I do own my house. But yeah, but that's the wrong way to think of it. I think a better way to think of it is, you know what? God, you own all of this, all this stuff. God, you own it all. I'm simply managing it for you. And how you, how you view that is, is so powerful. A steward is a manager, not an owner. And let me just say this out loud in case you're wondering. God doesn't need your money. Okay? God does not need your money. If God needed your money, what would he do? He would take it from you. And then you'd be a pile of dust. Okay? But, but God doesn't need your money. You know what God wants? God wants your heart. And there's so much attachment and and so much connection between our resources and our hearts and so much of the teaching and why Jesus taught about it so much is because he's trying to get people's heart. And he's trying to make sure that there's no other God before him. And a lot of times when we have trouble saying, God, you own it all and I'm just stewarding it, I'm just managing it, it's because it's a heart issue and God wants your heart. There's a, a great misunderstanding that if we hold on to what we have, then we'll get more. What does that mean? That means if I hold on to this income, if I hold on to this resource, then guess what? It makes sense, I'm gonna get more, but Jesus teaches a different principle. Jesus teaches us that as we're uh, managing for him and we understand our role that we are not the owners, when we begin to open up our hand and give, that becomes seed that gets planted and then there's a harvest that comes and we can be a blessing to others and we can be a blessing to the church. And so that's a proper perspective. That's number one, which is learn your role. Here's lesson number two. Learn uh, Learn to despise debt. Learn to despise debt. And we've talked about that a little bit already tonight. But Proverbs 22, verse uh, 7 says, the borrower is slave to the lender. I like to say this a lot. Debt is dumb. It's kind of got the the Ds there. Debt is dumb. So when you think about, okay, should I go into debt? Uh, credit card debt. Remember Pastor Matt saying this debt is dumb. Just stop and pray about it. Stop and think about it before you just automatically go with, with the way culture is and the way society is and says you got to finance everything. I mean, here's the, here's the truth our great grandparents thought debt was a sin. Our grandparents only took uh, on, on debt for a few things. Our parents, even more. And then, like the, the generation today, we borrow on everything. You go to the pet store. Do you have money to buy the pet? No, but I can finance the pet. Little snowflake. Don't have the money, but guess what? It's, I'm financing the, the pet, and it just doesn't make sense. Or mattresses, or clothes, or vacations. We don't have the money, so what do we do? We just, we just go into debt. And, and I want the church, I want believers to have a different understanding when it comes to debt. That, you know what, debt is not is not a good thing. In fact, when you look at scripture, and and there's references to debt, it's never a positive reference. It's always like, be careful, be on guard. As as Dr. Cora was saying, that it's it's dangerous or it's a it's a snare or it's a trap. And um, so we borrow on everything. And I I looked this up, and this is this is pretty funny. But so you know when you go to the furniture store and they say, uh, okay, how would you like to pay for this? And you're like, hopefully. Because you're part of Faith Assembly, you'll say, well, if I don't have the money, then I'm not going to buy it. But let's say you have a couch that you like. And they're like, I want to I purchase this couch. And they say, well, would you like to do 90 days, same as cash? You ever heard that before? Yes. You're like, hey, three months, it's same as cash. There's no, I'm not paying interest. You're like, this seems logical. That'll give me a, a little buffer there and I can save up a little bit more. Okay, so there's a reason why they do that. 78% convert to payments. Of all the people saying, no, I'm not going to go into debt, just, just uh, three months, you know, 90 days, uh, same, as, same as cash, I'm good. So 78% of those uh, convert to payments. And listen to this. Those payments average uh, an APR of 24%. So you're paying for the couch, and you're paying for more than the couch, too. You're paying interest. And you don't want to fall into that because then that's, that's a behavioral issue. That's more of a, a practice in your life. And so just learn to despise debt. And it takes a paradigm shift to imagine living without debt. Uh, if you want to win with money and build wealth, you've got to do what wealthy people do. And I don't say that as in like, oh, the goal here is to be rich. But if you want to be blessed to be a blessing, it puts everything into context, doesn't it? The Forbes 400 is the 400 most wealthy people in North America, according to Forbes magazine. 75% say that becoming and staying debt-free, listen to this, is the number one key to building wealth. It's, it's saying, no, we're not going to go there as a business. We're not going to go there as a family. Uh, becoming and staying debt-free is the number one key to building wealth. And so just uh, for those of you that have payments, you have the car payments and you have the, the house payment and you have the credit card payment and the boat payment and the motorcycle payment and snowflake payment, you know, you have all these pets and this and that and you can't, you can't afford it and it just feels like all you do every month is, is pay payments on stuff that you, that you have in your possession. Just think of it differently. What if you did not have payments? How much could then you save? How much then could you invest How much could you give to the kingdom? How much could you spend and have fun? I like what Dave Ramsey says. He says, if you live like no one else now, later you can live and give like no one else. Isn't that powerful? But if you don't have the vision, if you don't have the the mindset, if you don't have that drive within you, you're just going to be like the average American and always struggle and always have debt and always be burdened down. And I'm just telling you there's a better way. Somebody say amen to that. Lesson number three, learn to budget well. And so I have written down here cash flow plan or spending plan maybe a better term. And again, you can, you can grab those uh, worksheets on your way out. If you've never done a budget for it, if you need help, come see us. We'll walk you through that. Um, we have all kinds of resources prepped for tonight so that you can uh, feel like you are equipped to, uh, to do this thing right. So the bottom line is that you have to tell your money what to do. I like what John Maxwell says. He says a budget is people telling their money what to do instead of wondering where it went. You ever wonder where your money goes? You're like, man, did we really spend that much on that meal? Yeah, we did. You just wonder and it just kinda gets legs, runs off, and then it's gone. You're like, what what happened? You blink and it's gone. Well, if you have a spending plan, you're gonna know where every dollar goes. Dr. Stephen Covey says in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, that the number one habit of those who are highly effective is that they are proactive. What does that mean? That means that they have learned to happen to things rather than things just happening to them. So you just say, you know what, I'm going to tell my money what to do. I'm not just going to, at the end of the month, wonder where it went and, uh, and be clueless about it. So, so just keep that in mind. And we already talked about what a, a spending plan is. You determine your income, you look at your expenses. The goal is to have that uh, equal to zero. So income, take all of your income, your, your main job, your side jobs, any income, as a family, as a household, you add those together, and then you say, okay, here's what we have to spend. Remember the video? If you don't have it, uh, if you don't have it, you know, the money, then you don't buy it, it's pretty simple. And so only put things on that budget that you have money to spend. And as you do, as you say, groceries. Actually, there's there's, there's four that are super important. Um, And it is food, shelter, clothing, and transportation. Those are the main four. You start with those, the four, food, shelter, clothing, and transportation. And then after that, you, you start to add on. And some of it's a necessity, some of it's just a want, and you have to discern that. It's your money, it's your life. You get to decide that, but the goal is to assign every dollar and so that every dollar does have a name. And then here's the final one that I'm going to wrap up with tonight. Here's the, the fourth lesson. Learn the power of investing. Learn the power of investing. I can remember um, several years ago, I was, I was you know working in the youth ministry and we'd go to National Fine Arts and, and uh, we were feeding like, 500 students for the week, and so I would help coordinate some of that with the logistics, and I would go and get ice for coolers and go to different stores and stuff like that. And I remember, uh, I would I went to this certain convenience store every single uh, every single day of that week, so it was like. Monday night all the way through Thursday night or something like that. And I went at the same time. And the first night that I went to this convenience store, I saw this guy who went in and he bought lottery tickets that were like 20 20 lottery tickets. And he would go to his car, his car was a wreck. Uh, There was stuff everywhere. And he would sit there and like just in a panic, just sit there and and scratch off these lottery tickets. And then I would watch it as his face just, he, he was completely devastated when he wouldn't win. And, and then he would throw him in the dash. And the first night I was like, oh, that, that's crazy. The second night, the same guy was there. The third night, the same guy was there. The fourth night, the same guy was there. And I just, my heart broke because he, he doesn't get it, right? Like there's so much that he could be doing with that investment, so much that he could be doing with, with, with that money. Instead, he's just wasting it away. And so all the more, man, we've got to understand the power of investing. Listen to this. Any undertaking that is worthwhile requires focused intensity over time. Focused intensity over time. And so there's something called compound interest. Uh, so if you, if you start, when you, especially if young people in here, if you start, young married uh, couples, if you start now and you begin investing now, it doesn't even have to be a large amount, but if you start investing now, what will happen is that that small amount will turn into a larger amount, and then because you have time, That larger amount turns into a larger amount, and then it just begins to snowball in your favor. Rather than debt working against you, you, your investment starts to work for you, and you can start to see the return on investment. And as stewards, that's part of what we do, so that when you're ready to retire, you can can live comfortably. Uh, When you're ready to retire, you can give to the kingdom. That's what I'm excited about too. Like like I'm, I'm giving now. We're giving now. My wife and I, were excited about that. But I think about the investments that we have now. What happens when those start to, to grow larger and larger and then we can give and do things and dream things and be able to give and fund the kingdom? It's, it's a pretty powerful thing and it all has to do with investing. So I don't know uh, where you're at in this, in this journey. Uh, some of you are like, yeah, I'm at the very beginning. Others of you are like, you know, I'm, I'm more and the investing part, and it's so much material to cover in just a few minutes. But what I want you to walk away with is this, that we're here for you. We wanna help you in any way that we can. Uh, like I said, our, our, our team will be here uh, tonight just to talk with you and, and uh, point you in, in the right direction. But, but sometimes, you know what, it is also a spiritual battle. And the enemy wants to come and steal from you and kill you and destroy you spiritually, financially, all all the above. And we're not going to let that happen. Amen? Amen. Because we're the church, we're united, and we love one another, and we're going to make it. All right? So wherever you fall, we're going to make it. Amen. Would you do this with me? Would you uh, stand to your feet? And we're going to close out uh, tonight. And I want to just say this. uh, You know, we're talking about managing well and stewarding our resources well. And I just gotta tell you, you would completely miss the point tonight if you did all the things with your resources and your income uh, and you used wisdom there, but you, you didn't manage your life well. And probably the, the greatest thing, not probably, the greatest thing you could ever do as far as management and uh, what you do with your life and what you do with your heart is to place your life in the hands of the Lord. That's the greatest decision anyone could ever make, is to become a true Christ follower. And I don't want to end this service tonight without giving an opportunity for those that that are here. Maybe you're watching online tonight, and you just feel like you're far away from God. You feel like, or maybe you've never accepted Christ before. You've never said, Jesus, come into my, my heart. God, I want to make you my Lord. I believe
0: tonight's your night. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.